0: I've got an amazing story to share with you today and I'm going to create opportunity by the end of this story for people to respond to God in a variety of different ways and we'll talk about that as we go through so you need to be ready to respond but we'll worry about that later Um, but what I'm saying really is let's be open to what God might say to you whoever you are in whatever category you find yourself in this morning let's be open to God speaking to you and so what I'd love us to do is spend a moment praying, and then I'd like to speak, if I may. Let's pray, shall we? As we're praying, I just want want you to be aware that uh, this morning as I speak, there are two voices you can hear. The voice uh, of me, my voice, my um, voice box communicating with your eardrum. But also, I genuinely believe that the voice of God has the capacity to speak to you. And so the voice of the Holy Spirit can actually speak into your heart whilst I'm speaking to your mind. And so what I want to pray is for that. Father, I want to pray that whatever comes out of my good ideas or things that I think would be helpful, I pray that you would diminish. And I want to pray that whatever you, Lord Jesus, want to say by your Holy Spirit today, you would enhance in our hearts. And so we pray, Lord, please speak to us powerfully in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I want to talk about a blind man receiving his sight today. But before I do that, what I'd like to do is set the scene. And uh, actually on this occasion, setting the scene involves talking about right back to the basics, the most significant element of our Christian faith. Because often I find that as I meet all sorts of people in all sorts of different contexts, people are always trying to work out how life fits together. And, you know, they're trying to say, well, what's the point of it all? And what's this? And what's this about? And, um, and people like me, Christians, say, well, actually, God is the answer, and point them to the Bible. And then people come back to me, and I was having a conversation just this week with, with someone, and they say, but the Bible's a big book. Where do I start? You know, wh- what's the vital bit? Where's the bit that matters? I'd like just briefly to read from Paul's first letter to the to the Christians in Corinth. And Paul says this. He says, uh, this is St. Paul writing to these guys, these Christians. And he says, what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So when we ask the question, what what matters? Which bit matters, what's the vital factor? This is the bit that is of first importance. In other words, Jesus died on the cross, he rose from the grave. So to set the scene for our story today, we need to go back to the bit that is of first importance. Above all else, the bit that matters is the cross. The cross is a most extraordinary piece of wood because it suspended the greatest claim ever made a crucified carpenter saying he was God on earth when Jesus died on the cross he defeated the power of sin and when Jesus rose from the grave he defeated the power of death now many of you in this room will know this but I don't think it's a bad thing to be reminded and also maybe there's one or two of you who are not entirely sure of this and I really want you to understand this Sin spoils everything, but Jesus conquered sin on the cross. I'd just like to spend a moment showing you how he did that. I want you to imagine for a moment that the whole world is in my right hand. That I'm in my right hand and you're in my right hand and everyone's in my right hand. God's up in the sky. All the stuff we do and say and think that's wrong blocks our relationship between God there's a barrier between us and God and we can't get through that barrier no matter what we do because that barrier weighs heavily upon us and that barrier is called sin Jesus Christ has always existed with God the father but Jesus came to earth he lived a perfect life and then he died on the cross when Jesus died on the cross he took the punishment paid the price took the penalty for all of this stuff all the stuff that we got wrong so in effect all of this stuff was placed on him Now look where my right hand is. Suddenly, because this stuff is removed and Jesus takes it by dying on the cross, the barrier is taken away. And we have opportunity as we believe in what Jesus has done, we have opportunity then to come to him and find forgiveness for our sins. The problem here though is unless we remove that barrier, even when we die, that barrier still exists. So we need to deal with that barrier in this life. So that's how Jesus dealt with sin. But that links us very well to the fact that Jesus also dealt with death because death is our last great enemy. But Jesus conquered death at the resurrection when he rose from the grave. See, death is an enemy and it keeps winning. And Callie made reference to that this morning. You see, um, the death rate hovers around 100%. Yeah? We jog, we take vitamins, we eat salad, but at the end of the day, there will be an end to our days. And that's it. It's a stark reality, one person, one box. But that's the reality, yeah? yeah we 're told in 1 Corinthians 15 that death is our enemy, and so we fight it, don't we, whatever we think of Botox or facelifts or surgery or Gokkwa or every other attempt to, to, to deal with the outside person, we are fighting a losing battle. We're told in the Old Testament in Ecclesiastes that everybody dies, everybody dies. we're also told in Hebrews 9 that we will die once, which is true isn't it I think you may have noticed that that seems to be the case there's no but 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 of course some people don't believe that there's reincarnation and karma and multiple cycles of regress and all of these things you know I don't know if you've ever noticed but people who believe in reincarnation they always believe that they've been Joan of Arc or, or Admiral Nelson have you have you noticed that anyone who believes in reincarnation never ever believes that they were Fred the peasant from Norfolk were they they're were always someone famous but reincarnation karma it's not true you die once and then you get judged. That's what, Roman, that's what Hebrews 9 says. It's appointed once for you to die, and then judgment. We die because sin entered the world, so everyone dies because of sin, and they die once. God is eternal. We sin against an eternal God. That requires an eternal punishment. Now we have two options. Option one, God who is eternal came down as Jesus Christ and died for our sins and was punished in our place because he met the need for eternal punishment because he was punished and he is eternal. Have you ever thought of it like that? Option two is this. You and I suffer eternally. We suffer without end to bring justice to an eternal God. Anyone here not gone for option one because I want to wholeheartedly recommend that option to you and maybe you're here today and you didn't realize that Jesus had conquered sin and conquered death maybe you're still living under the consequences of sin maybe you're still living in fear of death and if, if that is you and I don't know everyone in this room but if that is you then everything can change for you today everything As I say, Callie mentioned this. There is a certainty about eternity as you come to Jesus. So I've talked there about Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. What will you be doing in 10,000 years' time? Callie told us what she'd be doing. What will you be doing in 10,000 years' time? And so, so that's... That's setting the scene. Now It seems strange, but I've, I've talked there about Jesus' death on the cross, Jesus being raised from the grave, and that, that is the foundational element of our Christian faith. But what I want to do is talk about what happened a little bit earlier than these momentous occasions, uh, and, and, then, and then we can get into the story for today. See, what I want to do is I want to do a Star Wars. Have, have you ever seen Star Wars? I'm a bit of a Star Wars fan myself, yeah? And unsurprisingly, I'm old enough to remember these ones, the, uh, the 70s. You know, they all started back in the late 70s, and uh, uh, the first three, three films. And I remember being very excited about the, the third one coming out, The Return of the Jedi. I was about 11 or 12 uh, around then, similar age to Nigel. And, um, and yeah, uh, you know, I remember it well. And it was Darth Vader, you know, Ben has taught you well, Luke. And, oh, it's just marvellous. It was wonderful stuff. It was happy days. But the big surprise for for all of us, our Star Wars fans, was the prequels. Wasn't it? You know, three films that were set earlier than the originals. Telling the story of what happened before what happened before we saw it. (laughs) So today, I want to do a Star Wars. Before Jesus rose from the grave, before Jesus was crucified outside the city of Jerusalem, we want to pick up the story earlier than that as jesus is going on his journey towards jerusalem he's not he's not that yet there but he's on his way to jerusalem and we're told in mark's gospel that jesus is leading the way to jerusalem that's in mark 10 verse 32 and then jesus he just takes a minute he stops and he decides to explain to his closest friends what's about to happen what we've just talked about and so he takes his 12 closest followers to one side And he says this to them. He says, we're going up to Jerusalem. And the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. So here we are just a few days before it's all going to kick off. And Jesus is predicting the whole thing. And so on they walk. This powerful prediction made by Jesus is ringing in their ears and they're making this journey towards Jerusalem. And we're told that some of them were afraid and confused. Little wonder, Jesus has hardly predicted happy days, has he, to be honest. And so they come to this place called Jericho, which is a town close to Jerusalem, And, and they begin to walk through Jericho. And then as they're leaving Jericho, there's now quite a crowd with Jesus As they leave Jericho, a voice is heard. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, blind Bartimaeus, shouting, shouting. And the disciples are, oh, for goodness sake. I mean, they're focused on where they need to go. They're having their minds that Jesus is going to Jerusalem to die. And now they've got this beggar shouting at them. And they're, oh. You know, and some of them are shouting back, will you shut up? Will you just give it a rest? Let's just pause on our journey just for a moment. And, uh, and look at what happens here. The first thing that happens is this blind beggar, Bartimaeus, shouts and he says, Jesus, son of David. This phrase, son of David, is a messianic title. In other words, it's one way to address the unique servant of God, the holy leader, the anointed one, God in human form. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, this was predicted by three different prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. They all looked forward to the arrival of God's anointed servant, the ultimate savior, and they used this type of language, the emphasis being placed on the son of David. So somehow, this impoverished, blind beggar knew something about the identity of Jesus. He knew that Jesus could do things that no other person could. He recognized Jesus to be different to anyone else. And so today I'm giving people an opportunity to come to Jesus for all sorts of different reasons. But we need, I think we'll come with a great deal more confidence when we recognize who Jesus is. Because he is the unique son of God. He is the ultimate authority. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of David. God's anointed chosen servant who now sits at the right hand of the father and has authority and so after addressing Jesus with this title son of David Bartimaeus then says this have mercy on me have mercy on me mercy let's just look at that for a moment there's a story of an artist who's asked by a woman to paint her portrait and the woman says sir I want you to do me justice. And the artist says, Madam, it's not justice you need, it's mercy. And, um, and, and if we receive, and we're like that, if we receive God's justice, we're in trouble. But thanks to the cross, we receive God's mercy, not God's justice. A mother once approached Napoleon seeking a a pardon for her son. Uh, The emperor said, you know, this young man had committed a certain offence and he'd committed that offence twice and even doing it once demanded death. That was the punishment for this offence. And Napoleon said he needs to die because justice demands it. And the mother said, I don't ask for justice, I plead for mercy. And Napoleon replied, but your son does not deserve mercy. Sir, the woman cried, it would not be mercy if he deserved it. Mercy is all I ask. And the emperor said, I will have mercy. And he spared the woman's son. So do we understand today that actually we deserve God's justice, but we can come and receive God's mercy. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That's what this guy says. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, call him. It's not a great, great moment. Jesus says, call him. This impoverished, filthy beggar lying at the roadside. Jesus says, call him. And so some of the people go to Bartimaeus and they say, cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. I love that bit. Can I just speak to the, the members of Gateway Church just for a moment here? As a church, when people come to you in their need and they're crying out for help, you can respond in one of two ways. You could respond like the first group responded to Bartimaeus. Oh, will you be quiet? Will you shut up? Will you stop? Me? Or you can respond in the way the second group responded to Bartimaeus. Let me take you to Jesus. So my challenge to you is let's make sure we respond like the second group responded. Today, my desire is to invite people in this room to encounter Jesus. In effect, I want to say to you, whatever your need is, cheer up. On your feet, Jesus is calling you. So Bartimaeus was shouting. He was shouting. And Jesus heard. Can I suggest to you, I don't know what you'll make of this but can i suggest to you that there are people in this room right now who are shouting and jesus can hear you now you're not shouting out loud obviously i mean for a start many of you are british i mean you know yeah i mean those of you who are not you're you're in a british culture so you understand we're much too polite to shout I mean, it's worse in England. We're much more reserved. Thank goodness there's a bit more passion in Wales. But, you know, in England, always we have to maintain a certain level of decorum. You know, shouting? Gosh, me, no, never, never. We may not be shouting out loud right now. In fact, if you were, that might be a bit off-putting for me. You know, if I was speaking and Nigel was, rah, rah, it would be off-putting, to be honest. But in our hearts, in some of our hearts right here today, there is a cry. There is a Christ, Son of David, have mercy on me. Deep in our hearts, in our need, deep in the recesses of our hearts, even though perhaps we may be a bit proud to admit it, we shout like the beggar shouted. And Jesus, this is the great thing. This is the good news. Jesus hears that shout, that secret shout. He hears our thoughts. He hears and he stops And he calls us and he says, come to me. Deep within you, you know you're shouting. And can I bring hope and comfort and encouragement to you today and say to you, Jesus hears those shouts, those deep shouts within your heart. Bartimaeus is taken to Jesus and Jesus asked him this, what do you want me to do for you? I wonder what we want Jesus to do to do for us today I suspect Jesus as, he come, as, as we come to him he asks us that very question what do you want me to do for you because it's a question about humility it's about recognizing our utter dependence on him maybe once again we need to stop and think wait a minute we've been soldiering along on our own in our own independence But actually, we sometimes need to come back and say, actually, we get much more than we deserve when we come to Jesus. It's about coming with the right heart. I want to see. Bartimaeus comes and he asks for freedom. I want to see. And Jesus sets him free. He heals him. This man came to Jesus in faith, in his need, Truly believing in the identity of Jesus, the son of David. And Jesus graciously and miraculously responds to this blind beggar's act of faith. See, Bartimaeus was blind. He had a physical condition. And there may be people here who have some level of physical illness. And I want to encourage you today to come to Jesus. We would love to pray for you. Today, If you have some sort of health issue, we want to encourage you to come to Jesus today. I also want to encourage you to come on behalf of others. Let me just tell you a story of something that happened last Sunday in our church. I preached a similar sort of message to this one in terms of praying for people to get well. And there was a man called John who was in our church for the very first time he's not a Christian. He came for the first time and he'd been invited by uh, a guy in the church and he came and when he arrived, he spoke to the friends who'd invited him and said that his wife, Kath, was in hospital in what he described as a critical condition. She had asthma, pneumonia and septicemia and she was on, on oxygen. And so when I call people to come forward, John, although he desperately needs God, he came on behalf of his wife, primarily, because he's an unselfish guy. And he came and stood and asked God to heal his wife. By Sunday evening, his wife came off the oxygen, and by Wednesday morning, she was back at work. which is quite a turnaround. By Monday morning, she was, um, she was uh, come out of hospital. She, was, um, she came out and by Wednesday morning, she was back at work. And so I want to encourage you today, not only if you yourself are suffering, I would love to pray for you in that regard, but also if you know of others who are struggling, then we would love to pray for you today. I believe other people, we talk about this guy, Bartimaeus, he had this physical condition, this blindness. So we want to pray for people with physical conditions. But also, some people here today may be blinded by pain. There's an emotional dimension. It's like an emotional fog that means you can't see very well. When I was um, younger, um, I owned one of, my, one of the cars that I owned, when I had to tra- travel to Oswestry, we had, uh, my wife worked in Shrewsbury, and then I got a job in Oswestry, which meant that we needed another car. We'd never been a two-car family. So I bought a very old, 19-year-old Datsun Violet. It was a marvellous car. It was very brown. I bought it off a very elderly gentleman who sold it me, and it had done, I think it had done 20,000 miles. And he was 19 years old, right? So um, from one MOT to another, he'd done 68 miles, this old guy. And, and he also he rang me up later and said, would I like the spoiler off it? Because uh, to make it more sporty, I said, I, I don't think I'll bother. But um, this and Violet, although great, wasn't that good in certain areas. Uh, in fact, uh, in fact, eventually I gave it away, which is another story entirely. Actually, I'll tell you that story. Um, I gave it away. This guy's knocked on the door. He's, his teenager's knocked on the door and said, can we have your car? You know, can we buy your car? We can see it's not really, you know, by this time it had broken down. And so uh, I said, well, um, thinking, I'll oh, be gracious, you can have it. I Don't buy it. Yeah, I'll give it to you. So we changed the logbooks, things. And this guy was doing a, um, he was doing a, a, a mechanicing course at college. And so I gave him the car and uh, him and his mates, I said, the trouble is you probably won't get it started. And so they pushed it down the road. They, they, they disappeared. I waved my car goodbye as they pushed this car, these, these teenage uh, students, um, and, and that was the end of it. I thought, that's good. I've blessed these people. Next day, I had a phone call from the police. Um, Are you the owner of a brown Datsun and Violet? I said, well, I was until yesterday and I explained the story. They said, oh, right. It's just that we found it parked in the forecourt of the Jaguar garage next to the Jaguars. So these guys got it going, taken it and parked it between all of the Jaguars as if it was on sale amongst them. So uh, uh, anyway, that wasn't the story I was supposed to be telling you. The story I was supposed to be telling you was um, one day, I, I, so I used to drive this, this Datsun Violet to Oswestry and it was a very, very cold and frosty day and I got in the, this car and um, uh, I sort of took the, the, the heating wasn't very good in the car, if I'm honest. And uh, the, the windscreen was quite misted up, uh, a little bit frozen up. And I sort of just turned the heat. I thought, it'll be all right in a minute. I don't know why I said that. I could have got out and scraped it, but I didn't. I decided that it would clear, you know. And so I began to tentatively drive, sort of trying to see through this little gap uh, at the top. Uh, and as I was driving along, suddenly the sun appeared over the rooftops as I was driving. And then I was, it was like this blinding light. Uh, and still, for some reasons which I've never yet understood, I thought, oh, it'll be all right in a minute. I'll just keep going and what happened was I was driving along and I, I mounted the, the curb and I ran into um, a car parked on someone else's drive which was awkward to be honest and, um, uh, and it, was, it was a, a metro and um, it was owned by the young lady who just walked out of her house she'd walked out of her house and locked her door, turned round as I ploughed into her car right. and so she came up to me and she's, well I can't, actually I can't really tell you what she said but um, generally she wasn't very happy uh, and, and the reality, I, I tell you that story because it's a foolish story, which you'll probably enjoy. But the reality is, you know, I couldn't see and that caused me to crash. And in a sense, I feel that the danger for us is that we can become in an emotional fog and we can sort of lose our way. And in, in our anxiety and in our emotional turmoil, uh, things become less clear and, and Jesus calls us. And and what I want to say to you, you need to come to him before you crash so that you can have clarity. Maybe today you are spiritually blind. Today you can recognize maybe for the very first time that Jesus has defeated sin and death. Jesus calls you today. He says, come to me and I'll open your eyes and you'll never be the same again. To be honest, that's the story. That's what Jesus did. This guy encountered Jesus, and his life was changed forever. When was the last time, and, and I think it was hinted at this morning, when was the last time you encountered Jesus in that sort of way? When would when you last, as, as Rupert said, stood face to face with Jesus? Can we stand together? I'd love us to stand together. What do they say? On, Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. I'm going to suggest that people respond this morning. And we're going to look at the, the number of categories of people. who We would love you to come forward. Just stand by me. I'd just like to pray generally over. I know there are people available in Gateway Church who would love to pray for you. When we come forward and respond in faith as Bartimaeus did, I believe Jesus meets our needs. And I believe there are certain categories of people here today who do need to respond. And if you're in any of these categories, I would love to pray for you. I really would. I'm going to encourage you to just to come to the front and stand by me. There isn't a lot of room. Maybe stand in this area, just in front of the keyboards here. And then we're just going to get, get amongst you and pray for you. And so there are a number of categories, and these categories can come up here. If you're here today and you're suffering from any form or physical illness, or if you yourself know of others who are, we would love to pray for you today. I had no idea what God was going to do last Sunday, and yet this lady came out of hospital. Well, I don't know how to explain that other than we prayed for her. Of course, in any context, when people have physical conditions, we pray for them. We ask God to heal them. We always also say, you know, make sure you check it out. Don't just suddenly stop taking your medication and these sorts of things. Check it out because that's a wonderful witness as God comes and brings strength and healing to people. If your issue, so we would love to pray for you if you're physically unwell in any way today. If your issue is emotional and you're struggling with this, this anxiety and this fog, come to Jesus before you crash. If you're coming to him and say, I'd like to see, I'd like a bit more clarity, then our desire would be that we would love to pray for you today. If you know that, there's, that spiritually there's, a, there's a, a darkness surrounding you and you know that um, you need the light of God to invade your soul, we want to really encourage you to come. We would love to pray for you today. Jesus is the son of David. He is the one with absolute authority. And he is the one who says, I have mercy on you. So we can come to him. We can come to him and say, He's full of compassion and he's full of authority. He's the son of David, full of authority. He's also the one who has full compassion. And so we can genuinely come to Jesus and say, Son of David, have mercy on me. And he will. He will. He will. If you fall into any of these categories, now is the time to come. What did Rupert say? Draw close to him to see him clearly. Jesus says, call him or call her. So if you know that you need to respond right now, I'm just asking you to come forward. Please just come forward and stand in this area. Please come right here. Keep coming. Whatever category you might find yourself in, please just come and we're going to pray for you today. There's going to be a team of people who will pray for you. What I'd love to do, with Nigel's permission, is I'd love to pray generally over you guys. I'm so delighted you guys are coming here because what I'd love us to do is respond in a couple of ways. Thank you so much, guys, for coming. It's always a brave step to come and to recognize, well, actually, God has spoken to me. He's answered the prayer that we prayed at the beginning. Because we, we ask God to speak into people's hearts. I had no idea what was going to happen. I never know. Alan has come with me today. He's very kindly driven me here and, and bought me a cup of tea on the way. Very kind man. He's a member of our church. He said to Alan, I never know what's going to happen at the end. But Jesus speaks into our hearts in a way which is impossible for me to understand. What I'd love to do is I'd love to pray a blanky prayer over every person standing here. I would then like every person in this room to respond to Jesus in the way that Bartimaeus did, by worshipping him together, including you guys. Is that okay? Are we happy with that? Then I would love individuals to get amongst these people and to pray very specifically, one-on-one, with you. Now, I don't know any of you, um, so I'll have great fun playing for you because it'll be the first time I've met you. But what I'd love to do first is I'd love to pray for you, then we'll all worship God, and then individuals will pray for you. If you're here with a physical condition that means you can't stand for very long, I want you to feel free to sit down. We want to make sure we pray for you. But we don't want you to feel you have to keep standing if it's difficult for you. Does that make sense? Also, I need people like, um, like Nigel and, and others to help because I don't know if some people may be guests. You know, I don't know if you're a guest who's responding to God for the first time or you're one of the elders. I don't know. So we need, uh, we need some help from the, the Gateway guys. Let me pray. I'd love you guys behind If you're part of this church, I'd love you just to extend your hands towards these people, to pray God's blessing on them. Is that okay? Are you happy to do that? What I'd love you guys to do is just open your hands to God, as if you're receiving a gift from God. Let's just close our eyes. Let's open our hands to God, and let's begin to recognize that we can receive from Him. I'd love to pray now for these individual people who've come for all sorts of reasons. Lord Jesus thank you so much thank you so much that you are the son of David the Messiah the King the Lord of Lords that you sit at the right hand of your father that you have been raised and exalted and glorified and that that means that you have the capacity to send your wonderful Holy Spirit the living presence of God to dwell with us today And I want to pray, Lord, please, would you come with your wonderful Holy Spirit right now upon these individual people, whether it's to do with physical illness, whether it's to do with emotional or spiritual blindness. I want to pray for your wonderful Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, to come upon these individuals now. I want to pray, Lord God, for you to come. Would you please come, Lord Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, and would you saturate these individuals with your wonderful presence? And would you penetrate into all of those areas of pain, whether they be physical or emotional pain? We take authority over pain today in Jesus' name. We rebuke it and say, go in Jesus' name. And we ask, Lord Jesus, for you to come and to release your healing power. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the son of David. You have absolute authority. But we come and we say, please have mercy on us. Thank you so much for your kindness and your compassion, your great love and your great power. What a wonderful combination, your compassion and your authority. And so I want to pray, Lord God, for you to come and have mercy upon these dear people here this morning. Touch them very deeply, Lord God. Help them to know that they get what they don't deserve and you freely give it because you paid the ultimate cost and so we pray Lord God for wonderful revelation to come we pray Lord God for a release of your healing power we pray Lord God for you to touch every life every single thank you Lord you know us intimately you know every detail of our life you know our thoughts we know you know exactly what we're thinking right now as I pray Lord God so I want to pray again Lord for your wonderful wonderful voice to speak deeply into people's very souls as we pray now Lord there's not just my voice but it's the voice of God touching deeply into people's hearts. I want to pray one more time, Lord, for your wonderful Holy Spirit to be at work saturating people across this room, touching them very deeply as they receive right now from you. Come, Lord, we pray. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. He's calling you. He's calling you. Let's stay in an attitude of prayer but let's extend that to worship as Phil and the team lead us. Let's you guys at the front too, you be the front row in terms of bringing worship to God. Let's those of us behind, let's also worship. And so we're all gonna worship together. Then I'm gonna ask Nigel to help as we get some individuals to pray for you. And let's also be be ready for God to release healing power. Who knows what God's gonna do this morning? Who knows what he's gonna? I don't know. I'm not I'm not him. I've never healed anyone. God's healed hundreds of thousands of people. Who knows what God's going to do? So let's be open to him, but let's now just move into an attitude of worship and then we'll come back and we want to pray for individuals specifically. Let's worship God together.